Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Greetings, my friends, patriots, lovers of democracy, truth and justice, believers in peace, freedom and the American way. Tom Hartman here with you. Uh, If you are hearing me right now live, and hopefully you are, a million apologies if you couldn't hear me live yesterday. I know that uh, uh, some of our some of our streams worked and some didn't. And we we just you know, it was engineering hell. But uh, I think everything is working today, which is really a good thing. And because, uh, you know, we, we just moved and we've got all new equipment and it's kind of a, a learning curve here for all of us. So that's what's going on. The Pentagon this morning. Or actually, I guess it was last night. Uh, the Pentagon posted this from uh, Mary Poppenfuss over at uh, Huffington Post. The Pentagon posted an unusual message on Twitter Thursday urging President Donald Trump to resign. Yes, the Pentagon tweeted that. It has the... Uh, uh, the Twitter sphere going, you know, collectively scratching its head. Uh, they uh, deleted the tweet as soon as it was pointed out. But uh, <laughs> some of the responses, uh, Bill Gates, shout out to the deep state operatives in the Department of Defense, <laughs> deep state squirrel, team deep state squirrel. There are lots of us. We just can't speak openly. Uh, whoa, you got retweeted by uh, this is proud resistor was the one who got retweeted. And yes, uh, Donald Trump should resign. Very interesting. The Al Franken thing is is turning into a thing or not. It seems, you know, it's uh, Kirsten Gillibrand uh, saying, well, you know, Bill Clinton probably should have resigned back in the day. Uh, but acknowledging, uh, acknowledging maybe the wrong word. By the way, it's, it's, uh, it's Anything Goes Friday. So give us a shout if there's anything on your mind. 202-808-9925. Um, but Kirsten Gillibrand saying, hey, Uh, As I've said many times over the last couple of weeks, I see it appears to me that what's happening is a a large cultural shift is happening in the United States. And frankly, I think it's spreading at least around the Western world, around the developed world. And that, you know, women are just saying enough. You know, we're sick of it enough. And men are, you know, if Al Franken's response is any indication, men are getting it, at least some men, and saying, okay, you know, got it. Uh, that, that, was, that was, you know, different and wrong and all that kind of, so, you know, we'll see where all this goes. Uh, let's pick up some phone calls. Is the, 
Louise, are, is the board open for calls? Apparently it is. Steve in Salem, Ohio. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind today? Hi. Um, well, first of all, I wanted to say because three or four days ago, um, they were um, like upping the, um, well, um, the Korean leader said this, and what's Trump going to say? And I thought that is the most dangerous thing they could possibly ever do is to try to make a playground, you know, like a, uh, uh, like a, a grade school playground thing about this thing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and lately I haven't heard that, so maybe cooler minds have said, hey, knock that crap off. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, now, and another thing, now, and, and as you said it, um, about this, um, you know, uh, you know, the groping and all that stuff, you know what? I was just thinking, I'm 60 years old, and, um, you know, in truth, if I have to say truth, I have been attracted to, you know, younger women if they're fully developed and stuff like that. But you know what? My dad told me, no, that is wrong, and um, and it will um, ruin that woman's sexual first sexual experiences or whatever down the road. And and that's the thought that always stuck in my mind. And and I guess that's good bad advice. But um, yeah. you know, it's but it, see what's it, happening right now, Steve. Back. And I think it's a really good thing is that we're going from dad saying this, and, and a lot of dads never said that to culture, society saying that. And I think that that's a really, really good thing. Steve, thank you for the call. And yeah, the, the, the whole thing with Trump and Korea, I absolutely agree. This is, a, uh, uh, this is a crisis right now. We're not dealing with it like a crisis, but I believe it is. Joan in Alexander, North Carolina. Hey, Joan, what's on your mind? Yeah, Tom, I was wondering what you think of the theory that maybe the Republicans are pulling a sort of date and switch thing here. That a few days ago, you talked about the connections between Moore and somebody that is heavily involved with the Koch brothers. And I thought, well, the Koch brothers vet people pretty carefully. They wouldn't let somebody like him without Moore in without checking him out thoroughly. So maybe their goal is similar to the one they're doing with Trump and Pence, where they'll let Trump get in as long as he gets his tax plan passed. And then as soon as that's over with, They'll discredit him, and we'll end up with Pence, who was who they really wanted anyway. And kind of the same thing going on maybe with Moore and whatever that guy is he's running against. Yeah. I think yeah, we saw Doug the Jones. same thing here in Asheville over a small seat where somebody got won and then resigned yeah. and wanted to turn it over to a person who didn't win. Anyway, yeah. what do you think? I can't speak to what the Koch brothers are thinking or what their strategy is. I don't know them. I don't know how they think, and I'm not inside their organization. But uh, have you I, read Dark Money by yes, Jane I did Meyer? by Jane Mayer. Yeah. In fact, she's been a guest yeah, on this yeah. program at some length, and 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 it's not the only book. Democracy in Chains is another great book that's kind of a sequel to that uh, by Nancy McLean, oh, as I recall. Okay. And uh, but but I, I think my my personal opinion about what's going on, and again, this is just my opinion. It may or may not be correct is that uh, that probably the large donor base, and the Cokes would be part of that, but you know, I think that this is much more general than that. I think that part, pro- probably the large donor base is really just interested in getting their damn tax cuts and their deregulation. They also want, you know, I mean, a lot of stuff is being done that these guys, not 
specifically the Kochs, but the large donor, Republican donor class, that the Republican donor class wants done. You've got the Keystone Pipeline happening, even though they just spilled a couple hundred thousand gallons of oil yesterday. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, they, they got their oil pipeline. They got their deregulation of the oil industry to a large extent. They're getting deregulation of the Internet probably next month. They're, they're getting deregulation of the banks right now. They got Richard Cordray out of the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and it looks like he's going to be replaced Maybe by uh, by by uh, Ryan Zinke uh, or or I mean, you know, they're they're uh, uh, excuse me. Mick Mulvaney is the guy that they're thinking of replacing him with the guy who's the head of the Office of Management and Budget, who was one of the wackiest of the of the right wing um, uh, Tea Party trolls, which would be, you know, basically the Coke trolls. So. So, yeah, the, you know, the, they're getting what they want. And the other thing that they want, of course, legislatively is a giant tax cut. And they didn't Trump. They, or at least they said they didn't support Trump. It was Robert Mercer and his, his daughter, Rebecca, who supported Trump in the primary or in the in the general election in 2016 and in the primary, I guess. But but I don't think that the really big money and the corporate money supported Trump early on. I think that probably they are now. Um, or supported Roy Moore, for that matter. They just, you know, it, it's just that they're not fighting him. And and they're they're letting the other parts of the Republican machine. I mean, there's so many different parts of this giant Republican machine that have a lot of money and have their own interests. You've got the anti-abortion part. You've got the fundamentalist Christian part. You've got the gun manufacturers and lobby part. You've got the the chemical companies and their lobbyist part. You've got the big food companies and their lobbyists. You've got the Internet companies and their lobbyists. And there's all these different parts in there and they all have their own agendas. But the the agenda that is consistent across all of them is figure out new ways to extract cash from the American middle class and transfer it to the top 1% and the corporations that made them the 1%. That's always the bottom line. And that's what Roy Moore will do. That's what Donald Trump is doing. That's what Republicans in Congress are doing. That's what we're seeing with this tax break. So at a certain level, it almost doesn't matter whether the Kochs like Roy Moore or not. You know, it's just, it's, he, he has enough of the different parts of the so-called Republican coalition, you know, the, 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 the haters, the fearers, and the, and the fearers. <laughs> that's what's going on. Joan, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you. It's Anything Goes Friday. We'll be back with more of your calls and my thoughts and the news of the day, including uh, some really sad news about the Affordable Care Act right after this. This is the Tom Hartman Program. Back with more of your calls in just a moment. And welcome back. Judy in Lakeport, California. Hey, Judy, what's up? Uh, good morning, Tom. Um, I hardly know where to, when to, where to start, sure. but I really need to speak to something that's happening with Al Franken. You know, there is no comparison to what Al Franken did to what Roy Moore has done or what Donald Trump has done. And it's just so obvious. Or apparently what George Herbert Walker Bush did. You know, like a ninth what? woman came forward today and said, yeah, he grabbed my ass. And this, and this was when he was president. So, I have a hard time hearing you, Tom. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry, Judy. It popped me up a little bit. Yeah, I said it's, it's, it's not even as, uh, as big a deal as what George Herbert Walker Bush did. And a ninth woman came out today and said he grabbed her butt while, only this time while he was president. Exactly. And, and um, that's the first thing I need to speak to. The other thing is this. Today, I'm more outraged. I mean, it's like, how much can you take 
that Trump has lifted the ban on killing elephants for yes. the ivory. Yeah, and, and soon to be so lions. It's obvious that he did this for his sons, who are big game hunters. And, and you know, Tom, I've reached a point where I, I see our country going in a direction. It's almost like a runaway train. And, and, and that <laughs> Donald Trump is, is the engineer, and he is driving us towards extinction. He, he, he is the symbol of where it's at today. And I, and I just think we, we do what we can. We're ethical people. There's a lot of us out here, a lot of empathetic people. But I, I feel like it, it's all about extinction. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I agree, Judy. And, and, you know, the it's almost like Donald Trump has decided that the that democracy uh, is a nice, quaint idea, but it doesn't really work all that well. And his role model is is the Saudis or the Chinese or the Vietnamese or the Philippines. I mean, you know, these countries with these strongman leaders uh, that that he, uh, or Russia, these countries with strongman leaders that he thinks, gee, that's how the United States should be. And, you know, for, for a long time, the, the, the old, there's the, that old quote, uh, it's probably apocryphal, I don't know if it's real or not, but I've heard it so many times in my life, uh, that George Washington allegedly said, it has been my observation that what one man can do, one competent man can do well, several competent men will, will uh, uh, not accomplish with speed and a committee will never get around to. I'm paraphrasing terribly, but because it was, you know, the language of the 18th century. But, but uh, you know, and then that, I mean, there's a certain amount of truth to that. But, you know, that is like an anti-democratic sentiment that has been long held up on the right as, you know, the, the reason for autocracy, why, why we should have a strongman president. And I think that Donald Trump has completely bought into that. And, you know, so, yeah, his family wants to go big game hunting. Oh, sure, we'll let big game hunting happen. His family wants to inherit his billions. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll do away with the inheritance tax. He doesn't want to pay the alternative minimum tax, which in 2005, the one tax return we've seen, uh, he paid, uh, what, $25 million on. Uh, this, this new tax bill will save him that $25 million every year. Uh, you know, he, he doesn't. Uh, you know, he doesn't he doesn't want to be regulated in his uh, real estate dealings and his offshore money and whatnot. So, you know, he's going to put Steve Mnuchin in there and make sure that those regulations go away and on and on it goes. I agree with you, Judy. And I think it's it's, you know, not to mention the climate change stuff. And that really is extinction. You're absolutely right. Judy, well said. Thank you for the call. And thanks for watching Free Speech TV. We'll be right back. Everybody's talking about superfoods, those nutritionally dense foods that are especially beneficial to your health. Did you know that one of the most powerful superfoods you can put into your body is beets? They're loaded with an important nutrient that increases your blood flow, which increases your energy. But who wants to eat a pile of beets every day? Not me. But now you can get the energy benefits of beets in a powerful, concentrated superfood drink, Superbeets. Only Superbeets is made from beets grown to exacting standards, then concentrated into superfood crystals. Superbeets promotes the body's own natural ability to produce healthier circulation for increased energy and stamina all day long. So if you want the benefits of a powerful superfood, call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com. With your first order, get another 30-day supply of Superbeets for free, plus indicator strips to see how Superbeets is working for you, and free shipping. So call 800-568-9889 or go to tomsbeets.com today. That's 800-568-9889, tomsbeets.com on the interwebs. 
starting to creak and groan under the weight of Donald Trump, uh, you know, doing away with subsidies, cutting back on the, uh, what, we've gone from a, a eight or 10 or 12 week window for sign up for Affordable Care down to six weeks. Uh, they stripped hundreds of millions of dollars or millions of dollars out of the budget to advertise the fact that, hey, right now you can sign up for, for Obamacare. And if you want a bronze plan in many parts of the United States, you can get it for free. And in other parts of the United States, because of these, you know, the way the market is shaking out right now, the gold plan is actually cheaper than the silver plan. So check out Obamacare, right? Well, that's what a lot of people are going are doing right now. But, you know, on the other hand, a great piece by Colby Itkowitz in today's Washington Post or yesterday's Washington Post, actually day before yesterday's Washington Post, parents of four-year-old with cancer can't buy ACA plan to cover her hospital care. And you know, it's, a, it's, it's kind of a long, convoluted story, and I'm not going to go through all the details of it, but, but the, the bottom line is Trump's attempted disruption of the Affordable Care Act, a.k.a. Obamacare, is actually beginning to work. And it's, and it's starting by killing a four-year-old with cancer. Good job, Donald. Good job. Jack in Viola, Wisconsin. Hey, Jack, what's on your mind today? Good morning, um from the hills here in uh, um, Wisconsin. Thank you, Jay. You know, you a lot of times talk about the uh, hunting and gathering and the you know farmers being kind of like the original sin. Mm-hmm. And I want to present another pr- uh, perspective about that, you know, because really if you're familiar with like Gimbetus and the feminist ar- archaeologists talk about the farming culture of old Europe being much more peaceful and being fairly classless, and it is the Eurasians that came in, the pastoral people, who came in. You're talking about uh, 3,000 years ago plus, right? The the, the... the last wave was 2,800 B.C. The farmers... This was the Celts, wasn't it? The plow, I'll call them the the, um, plow and planted land cult, who swept, you know, from out, out of Antola, went east and west, and in the West, we know about their Neolithic monuments and stuff that they did. Right. And we also know genetically the hunting and gathering women, a lot of them, started to come over <laughs> and marry into the colonization or the spread of farming. And so these people weren't, you know, uh, uh, hierarchical or, you know, uh, warlike or anything like that. So the farmers get a bad rap even in the Bible when you talk about Cain and Abel, right. <laughs> it's an interesting slam against the farmers that the herders, you know, kind of the old, uh, like the Wild West, uh, the herders, you know, the, the ranchers against the farmers yeah. type of thing. Exactly. But keep on hearing that. And they also the other thing that you should consider. Well, hang on just a second, Jack, before you, before you move on. What this story tells is wow. that technology changes everything. Disruptive technologies change things. And the technology that was developed roughly 10,000 years ago in, in apparently in Northern Europe was a technology to deal with seasonal variations. There's no food growing in the winter, so what do we do? If, if there's not enough, you know, if you can't hunt enough in the winter, how do you survive? And what they figured out was intensive agriculture, dedicating land to agriculture and doing it in an intensive fashion, produced enough surplus food in the summer that they could live through the winter. That was a technological change, and that technological change radically altered society. Um, well, other technological yeah, I, changes not, throughout history include... To lay at their feet um, the hierarchical 
uh, civilization, uh, warfare, and stuff like that, when they were really naturally owned, probably their sexual politics were more like noble than chimpanzee. And that, you know, like uh, Gloria Steinman says, when you had to control uh, male, uh, female sexuality and ensure paternity, you violate this original sexual freedom and equality that were among the farmers. Right. So, you know, no, among the hunter-gatherers, that, not that the farmers. piece of information needs to be out there. And probably, you know, well, I, you know, respect and share the sentiment of the sacredness of this planet. But there's also idea that the, the Neolithic probably had an earth god and probably had a sky goddess, as the last remnant of that is in Egypt, between right. Geb and Noit. Yep. I'm just saying, hmm, the language we use shapes our perception. Oh, absolutely. And language is a reflection that, of know, culture. The idea of, of making the I don't think anybody can hear me, Sean. Oh, well, Jack, you can hear me? Yeah, I oh, can okay. hear you. Okay. I thought, okay. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. Um, no, I'm agreeing. I'm saying that language... That common to the whole, whole uh, mix of things. Right. Language has embedded within it the whole of culture. It's one of the reasons why when you learn a language, you learn a culture. It's one of the reasons why the fact that we have, you know, hundreds of languages going extinct every year around the world, these mostly Aboriginal and Indigenous languages, um, is, is a real disaster for all of us, for civilization. And, 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 and I would argue, you know, you said that uh, the, the, uh, the farming people had, were sexually egalitarian. Uh, no, it was the hunter-gatherers who were sexually egalitarian. When agriculture started, women were, began to be treated, and you find this in the Bible. I, this is the, the original warning. Women began to be treated like breed stock, basically, like, like you know, cattle, and, and uh, you know, to produce more men. And that, you know, I... There's, there's one of the original sins in our culture. But your points are well made, Jack, and, and, and obviously you're well informed on this issue. Thanks a lot for the call. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Call 202-808-9925. Back with more of your calls right after this. It's our Anything Goes Friday slash weekend. is the Tom Hartman Program. For example, welcome back to the second hour of our program. For example, in the previous hour, somebody called, and I went off on this rant about how, you know, the, you know, we're all talking about drama and, you know, who's up, who's down, who's going to win, who's not, drama and sports rather than policy and details. And, uh, you know, I use the example of Roy Moore, which is a terrible, terrible example, because that actually you know, his behavior and his conduct and his personality and all these things, those are actual real issues in a political election. But, and so I said, and then in midstream, I thought, you know, well, geez, that's a terrible example. Uh, let's use Ron Johnson. So I started talking about Ron Johnson, the, you know, the Republican senator from Wisconsin. And I just, uh, you know, said, we're not, you know, we don't know what his policies are, for example. Well, I just opened uh, Victoria Jones's newsletter. And uh, <laughs> this is, you know, post the uh, the vote in the in the uh, in the Senate, and or post post the vote in the House. They said those projections came a day after Senator Ron Johnson became the first Republican senator to state opposition to the measure, saying it doesn't cut taxes enough for millions of partnerships and corporations. 
bizarre. It sunsets so-called tax breaks for individuals and not corporations. I mean, it's, this, is, this is just crazy. This is just crazy. Larry in Columbus, Ohio. Hey, Larry, what's going on? You mentioned that uh, Reagan, everything changed with network news when Reagan was president. Well, in 87, to... when, he, when he blew up the Furnace Doctrine, radio and television stations no longer had to account to the public for whether they were serving the public good. They, they only had to account to their stockholders. That was a major change from, from 20, 1928 or 29 when that was, law was put into place until 1987. True, but that was not the only reason the network news changed. It changed because of competition, cable, uh, people like Rune Arledge who came through and said, hey, you can make money. And plus the erosion of profits from networks because of all the competition that they had. So it's not fair to say that Reagan uh, getting rid of the fairness doctrine uh, was the total cause for it. You it absolutely is, Larry. And I, you know, I, 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 I worked in radio news for seven years back in the 1960s and 1970s. And, and so I, I pay attention to the news I, my whole life. And, and I remember in 87 when Reagan did this. And I remember six months later when CBS moved their news division under their entertainment VP. They used to have a separate VP for news division. I, I remember driving down the Autobahn in Germany, hearing that story on American Forces Radio and, and thinking, oh my God, this is the beginning of the end. And then we saw I, over the next five, six, seven years, a major qualitative difference in the type and, and quality of news we were getting. Yet you're right, wow. the, 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 the networks were looking for profit opportunities and, and you're right that cable was in some ways disrupting their business model. On the other hand, cable has been very, very profitable for their business model. But the fact of the matter if is they that they wouldn't it. have been able to look to their news divisions as a source of profit if Reagan hadn't changed the rules of the game. Well, I, I, think, I think I'll give you this. It certainly had an effect on it, but it was not the only reason. Because I remember in 1975 when ABC News in, in New York all of a sudden started doing happy talk and they changed their news from hard news to, to chatter. And all of a sudden, people said, hey, the ratings are going up. That's when Geraldo Rivera came on. Right. So to say this was all Reagan is really just not true. I do get what you're saying about the fairness doctrine. It certainly didn't help it. But what, I, what I'm saying, Larry, is it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of like if the NFL had changed their rules in 1987, to say, uh, you know, whichever team comes from west of the, uh, of the Mississippi River uh, gets an extra five yards on their side of the field that, that they, you know, that the other team has to run against, okay? Uh, just a slight change, you know, the, 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 the opposing team only has to run an extra five yards. You might not see an immediate change, but over the next few years, everybody would recalibrate how they conduct the way that they play football to accommodate that difference. And that's essentially what I don't know. The happened. West at the time was not very, very good. So the, <laughs> even with a five-yard... Uh, uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah I'm, I'm sorry. I don't know sports well enough to, to validate it. But you get what I'm saying, Larry. I'm, I'm t he changed the rules well, of the game. Saying, yeah, but so not, you don't expect an instant change. It's an evolutionary change. It had an effect, absolutely, but it yeah. certainly was not everything. And network news was changing long before that because of the profit motive. We we are you're, you're right. capitalists. And, you're you're absolutely right. And 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 and, and 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 let's not discount or ignore that in 1982 Reagan stopped enforcing the Sherman Antitrust Act. The last president to have you know presided over the breakup of a major corporation was Jimmy Carter. And that was an action that was initiated by Richard Nixon, breaking up AT&T into seven companies, um, including, you know, uh, Lucian Technologies, what used to be Bell Labs. 
and it actually increased shareholder value. It kicked off a massive uh, era of uh, competition and growth as a con consequence of that competition among uh, you know, uh, telephone, telephone providers and ultimately internet providers was a really, really good thing. But Reagan stopped enforcing the Sherman Act, and that also, uh, you know, began the process of these massive corporate consolidations. And yesterday, the FCC did away with a rule that said the same company can't own radio and television stations in the same market, and they can't own two television stations in the same market. So, you know, further consolidation is on its way. And in fact, yesterday, um, I believe it was CBS and Entercom, CBS and... CBS, one of the big radio groups just did a merger too. So it's like, uh, it was in the, the industry news that I was reading this morning. So it's not a, it's, it's a trend that has not stopped. It's a trend that's continuing. Larry, I got to move along, but thank you for the call. It's an important topic. Jane in Friday Harbor, Washington. Hey, Jane, what's up? Well, good morning to you, Tom. Thanks for taking my call. I wanted to talk about my work with resistance. Um, I, of course, marched in Seattle on January 21st, but my focus for the last several months a printout, 13 pages of the Senate and 21 pages of the House. I've called the Senate Republicans probably more than 700 times, and now I'm working on the House since yesterday afternoon and judiciary over the last few months in oversight. But what I'm doing is I've discovered that these Republican staffers are just wonderful young people and with hope the face of the Republican Party. And so I try to endow them with my information as being a teacher and what I'm trying to do is encourage them to get us back to a bipartisan civil discourse so that we can get some work done. Yeah. Of course, I hit on all these hot-button topics with them, but I try to be as respectful, civil, and on top of that, I try to give them teaching advice about the National Association of Independent Schools, where I worked for several years as, as a private school teacher, but just encourage them to see that there are people on the other side of the aisle that want to hear them. And I have learned from this, the metamorphosis of this has been that I have discovered that I think I'm making a difference with the future of the Republican Party. And I'm encouraging anyone to print out the 12, 13 pages of the Senate, the 21 of the House, get on your phone. I start at 6 in the morning. It takes four hours to get through the Senate, and it's taken me two days to get to the House, obviously. But I started with the 13 magic makers that voted no yesterday and thanked even Daryl Issa. And then I've moved on now to working just only with the no votes and telling them that I felt that it was a vote against humanity is my catchphrase with these young wow. men. And I always ask them, what's your major, poly, international, econ? And by endowing what they're doing, I'm discovering that they're wanting to have a conversation with me about the importance of working together. And I Jane, on Jane, pardon my interruption, but we're going to feel about Donald. But this is just an Jane, idea I want to put out to your listeners. Jane, excuse my interruption, but we're going to hit a break in about 30, 30 seconds, which is typically when I start interrupting people. Um, you said you're calling pages. I'm calling every. I'm calling every Republican member of the Senate. Senate for several months, mm -hmm. and every member of the House since. So you're talking to the person who answers the phone, essentially, is what you're saying. Pardon me. You're talking to the person who answers the phone. I am, and right. I'm finding that, you know, they're, at least there I'm talking to the future, I hope, yes. of their party yeah. and encouraging them to be involved. Yeah, a lot of those people are, are interns, and they're going to go on to, you know, bigger and better things in a really consequential way. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big deal becoming, an, you know, an intern or a page, you know, in, in, in a congressional office. And, and the, you know, one of the things that they very often start them at it's sort of at the bottom is answering the phone. Well said, Jane. Good on you. You're a one-person lobbying machine. I'm impressed. 
Jane, thank you so much for calling and sharing that with us. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. We'll be back with more of your calls here on Anything Goes Friday right after this. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you and Marcy in Arlington, Texas. Hey, Marcy, what's on your mind? Hi, Tom. Hey, Marcy. Uh, I'd like to speak to the uh, lifetime appointments. Shouldn't that be unconstitutional? I mean, it, uh, uh, like the, the Cali guy that, you know, is being considered for a federal judge. Yeah, the, the guy who's a lawyer with three years as a lawyer who's never tried a case in a, in a, in a courtroom. So incompetent. And, yeah, but his, wife, but his and wife is friends with Trump. I, even, even the Supreme Court. Now, yeah. Marcy, the Constitution, I mean, our Constitution has amendments. So why cannot an amendment be made against lifetime appointments? Well, I, it's so counterproductive. I, I disagree, Marcy. The, the founders and framers wanted the judiciary to be completely independent of political influence. And if you know that you have to stand for election or appointment every four years, six years, two years, ten years, whatever it may be, then you start reacting to political wins and to political donors and to politicians who might be in a position to appoint you or help you get elected. And I think that's one of the major problems that we have with, with judgeships around the United States in local areas. This is one of the reasons that you have uh, what's called venue shopping, where lawyers will say, oh, you know, there's this one county in Texas where we know we can always get a favorable ruling to a bank. Why? Because this one particular judge got a hell of a lot of money from banks for his election, and they get him reelected every two years or whatever it is. And, and so, you know, venue shopping is happening as a result of the lack of lifetime appointments to some extent. The other thing is, Marcy, I would, I would point to you uh, the number of times on the Supreme Court that people with lifetime appointments, once they got on the Supreme Court, stopped being partisan hacks and started being statesmen and women. And, and, and you know, it started actually looking at issues without, with a little less partisan lens. Now, you know, Scalia and Thomas really kind of blew that up. They, they defied that model and they stayed totally partisan. Thomas still is. And now you've got John Roberts and, and apparently Neil Gorsuch all being hyper-partisan. Um, but you know, they would be that way whether they were appointed every six years or whether they were appointed for life. I'm, I'm, I think lifetime appointments for the, for the, uh, you know, for, for some judgeships, for federal judgeships, uh, is actually a good thing, Marcy. Have I convinced you? No. <laughs> no. Okay. All righty. Well, we'll have to agree to disagree. Marcy, thank you for the call. It is a, it is a topic probably that we, not probably, it's absolutely a topic that as a nation we should be having more conversations about. Marcy, thank you so much. Ted in Black Diamond, Washington. Hey, Ted, you wanted to talk about Jeff Sessions? Good morning, Tom. Yes. Uh, I, I listen to this, and Jeff always says, oh, I don't recall, I don't recall, and then the incriminating evidence comes to the light of day, and then all of a sudden he does recall, and more comes along. Why isn't he ever uh, required to present his PDAs, his day runners, personal assistants? Jeff no, Sessions? I mean, every major meeting that he has is recorded and documented. It doesn't have to be his memory. Presumably. Presumably. I mean, this was during a presidential campaign. There was probably a lot happening on the fly, a lot happening ad hoc. Whether Jeff Sessions was documenting it or not, 
I mean, you know, he may have been not documenting it just so that he could have plausible deniability. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, you know, but uh, he has assistance. You know, you, you could imagine that somebody like like him and his position could make it throughout the day without. I guarantee you, that's what that's what Robert destroyed. Mueller is looking at, Ted. Yeah, I, I, I just find it to be very. Yeah, that's uh, why Robert Mueller is going after Hope Hicks, is because she was the keeper of the gate, both back with the Trump organization in Trump Tower and then and then with the campaign and now in the White House. And 29-year-old gatekeeper, right? She's, you know, she's going to be interviewed by Mueller, and it's going to be, I think it's, excuse me, I think it's going to be a big deal. Ted, thank you for the call. Paul in Castle Rock, Colorado. Hey, Paul, got about a minute and a half to the break. What's up? Hi, Tom. So glad to talk to you. Thank you. Um, I know that you've said a lot about uh, Medicare Advantage plans. I'm not a fan of them, yes. I don't really understand why I'm in one. Mm -hmm. I worked in Medicare for 13 years. Mm -hmm. I worked in insurance for 30 years. And the benefits that I get, I get vision, I get hearing, things that aren't covered by Medicare. Sure. And you're getting and you're getting those things, Paul, because the insurance companies are being spiffed by Medicare on top of your premiums. You're paying a premium, but Medicare is paying a hell of a lot of money to these insurance companies to offer these Medicare Advantage programs. And it's more costly to all the rest of us for you to be on Medicare Advantage than it would be if you were on straight Medicare, number one. And number two, it's it's another person who is being your your plan is being administered by a for-profit company that is that is also billing the government, me and you, for their profits. And if you were on straight Medicare, that would not be the case. I get it that you're getting a few additional benefits. You're also, if you get real sick, probably going to discover you're going to have a few additional liabilities. But I, you know, the, the, the main reason I'm not a fan of Medicare Advantage is because it's not Medicare. It's a pri- these are private uh, insurance plans that are funded in part by Medicare and funded in a small way with your premiums. And it's, it's to the benefit of the insurance companies. This is how United Healthcare is the principal providers of Medicare Advantage programs. And this is why their CEO, Stephen J. Hemsley, has been able to take over a billion dollars in compensation over the last decade. I don't, I don't think it's a good thing for our country. We'll be back. Welcome back. It's Anything Goes Friday here on the Tom, or Anything Goes Weekend, let's call it, on the Tom Hartman program. And Maine in Chicago. Hey, Maine, thanks for calling. What's on your mind today? Hey, how you doing, Tom? Good. Uh, yeah, I was, I, I was one, you hit on a lot of the topics I wanted to hit on, so, you know, like getting a candidate that uh, that'll be for the people and will, and will you know, uh, have the people's needs that are stamped for the people's needs instead of those of uh, the oligarchs. Yep. Know? And then, uh, uh, and and then not only you know go for single payer health care, free education, and uh, I think paying student athletes would be uh, something that would uh, they should look into too. You know, because these student athletes, they have uh, they they they've had enough. They've uh, created money, millions and billions of dollars for these universities and colleges where they've redone stadiums and built halls and all kinds of stuff. And I know the student is there to get an education, but that's not always guaranteed. But if he got paid or she got paid, you know, as a student athlete, uh, uh, along with their education, 
uh, I think uh, that would help a great deal, too. Don't, don't and, a lot of student-athletes now, Maine, and, and forgive my ignorance of this, I, I don't follow sports, and, and I'm guessing these kind of stories are buried in the sports pages, but I thought yeah. that a lot of student-athletes got essentially spiffed, for lack of a better word, um, by wealthy donors or wealthy alumni. They'd be provided with vacations or goodies or, or you know, housing or meals or whatever. Or is that, or am I recalling a scandal where that was happening and it got forbidden? Well, that, yeah, that, uh, I, I believe that was part of it. But, but I'm talking about the average student athlete that, that's not, uh, that, that you may not see on TV, you know. Right. Along with the basketball players and the football players and stuff like that. Oh, you're talking about the track team and the, and the volleyball right, team the and the whole bit. Team, yeah. Volleyball team, right, the swimming. Yep. Uh, you know, I think all student athletes should, should get paid because uh, they, they bring in quite a bit of income to the, to the university. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you were to make a comparison, if a student is working as a, as a graduate student in a research lab and they help develop a product um, that gets sold to industry from the university, I don't think right now those students or graduate students who are working on that get any piece of that. I think the university does. Um, but they don't. And I think, frankly, that's probably wrong. And, and if yeah. we're looking at students who are making money for the university in the academic field, why not also, you know, look at students who are making money for the university in the sports field? And what's happening right now is in both of those fields, the, the students are getting screwed and the university is making out like a bandit. And uh, should we reevaluate all of that, frankly? Right. I'd see it. I, I, I would look at a top to bottom, you know, uh, uh, reevaluation. And also, you know, this whole idea that college uh, uh, presidents need to be paid a million bucks a year. That's that's nuts. But yeah, yeah. Uh, good. Good points, Maine. Thank you. Good. Good food for thought and for discussion. I appreciate the call. Jim in Los Angeles. Hey, Jim, what's up? Hi, Tom, my friend, the smartest man in media. Thank you. Um, anyhow, one quick question for our friends in Alabama. Is it uh, still too late to register? Can you still register for this election? That's a good question. I don't know the registration deadline for Alabama. Um, there was a, an interesting, um, I think it was on Twitter, maybe it was in our chat room this morning. I'm pretty sure it was on Twitter, though. Somebody was talking about how, it, you know, they just, they, they wanted to register to vote. They applied two months ago for their birth certificate from their home state so that they could get the ID necessary to register to vote. And their birth certificate just arrived. And whatever state they're in, it's now a month too late to register to vote. So, yeah. you know, these are the kind of impediments that Republicans are throwing in front of people in order to prevent them from voting. And, uh, you know, A, people need to know about that. You know, hey, get ready. It's coming and plan well in advance. It's going to cost you some yeah. money. Yes, it's a poll tax and it's going to cost you some time. Uh, yes, it's a huge hassle. I had to make four trips to the DMV in Washington, D.C. each time going back. Oh, you don't have enough documentation yet. Oh, this utility bill isn't a good enough utility bill. Oh, this isn't actually a rental document, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all to try to suppress the vote. And D.C., I mean, it's like a, it's a fairly liberal town, but it's under the control of the Republican Congress. So, uh, Jim, thanks. You know, yeah, spot on. I, I don't know the dates in Alabama. Maybe somebody will call in with that information or somebody in our chat room will know and I'll report it to you. Larry in Rogers, Minnesota. Hey, Larry, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom. How are you doing? Good. What's up? My, my wife just simply adores you. Well, thank you. But, um, I've got, um, uh, you're talking about um, advantage plans. 
mm-hmm. you know that medical advantage plans stop in twenty in the end of twenty eighteen, early twenty nineteen, don't you? No, I didn't know that, and I don't believe yeah. that to be true. Well, well, you can check on our. There's a couple. Of my, our um, new insurance man told us originally, and in the Star Tribune on Saturday, October twenty first, in the business section, looming changes hang over Medicare. The annual shopping period ends December. It says uh, most. Well, the popular Medicare cost plans currently used by more than 350 Minnesotans are scheduled to go away in 2019. Oh, the Medicare Advantage plans. That's, that, that would just be because they're, they're changing them. I just Googled uh, Medicare Advantage plans to end and got nothing. Nothing. I, I'm getting, you know, Medicare Advantage and end-stage renal disease. Uh, you know, yeah, the guy that, uh, I'm sorry, the guy that uh, is doing our insurance says that everybody will be rolled that are in cost plans will be rolled into advantage plans. There will be no more cost plans. I think in the article somewhere it says that also that there will be all, all the cost plans are being fixed. What's a cost plan? Uh, cost plan, there's advantage plans, there's cost plans. The cost plans are the ones that you can buy in the open market. Advantage plans are the ones that are rolled in with Medicare. What is, what, is COS, a, a, I'm assuming that that, is that an acronym? Yep, that's what they call them, cost. What's, what's it an acronym for? Uh, you know, I wish I could tell you. Yeah. I don't really know offhand. I just everybody. If so I get, when I get my, my, my Blue Cross Blue Shield, it says cost plan on it, not medical oh, advantage. Cost, COST. Advantage, my Blue Cross Blue Shield blue is a cost plan. Yeah, we're going to have to get Alex back on the show to talk about this stuff because uh, you're in over my head, <laughs> or I'm in over my head, Larry, <laughs> right now. Like I said, you can, if you can manage to get a hold of that um, October 21st article in the Tribune on Saturday in the business section, it talks about it. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to see if I can track it down. Larry, thanks for the heads up. Uh, my, Mary, in Little Mountain, South Carolina. Hey, Mary, what's on your mind today? Yes, hello. Uh, I just was wanting to know if you are aware of the uh, website needtoimpeach.com by uh, Tom Steyer. Steyer, yes. I saw his ad on TV a week or three ago, and I immediately went over to needtoimpeach.com. And is it .com or .org? .com. .com, okay. I went to uh, needtoimpeach.com, and I signed up, and I've been getting emails from him about every four or five days now you know, about what they're doing. So yeah, I'm very familiar with it. And I've seen his ads. And, and in fact, the thing, you know, if you've seen Tom Steyer's ads, Fox News is refusing to run those ads. <laughs> then we would get Pence, though. Right. So much for corporate freedom of speech. Yeah, then we would get Pence. And, and you know, I, I think it's possible to build a case that Pence is at least as toxic as Trump. And, uh, you know, I don't know what to do about that. But just because you know, getting rid of Trump means the Pence is coming in uh, doesn't mean that we shouldn't do the right thing and, and, and impeach Trump. That said, I don't think that leading an impeachment charge right now is necessarily the best use of our time. I really think we need to wait for Robert Mueller's uh, information to come out because it's looking to me more and more like there's going to be major criminal indictments of, uh, you know, all the way up to the very top. And it'll probably be, you know, Thanksgiving, Christmas, in that neighborhood when they get around to interviewing Donald Trump, I would say right after the first of the year, keep an eye out. Things are really going to start to hop. Mary, thank you for the call. Gracie in West in Worcester, Mass. Hey, Gracie, what's up? Hi, it's Tracy. Oh, Tracy, I'm sorry. That's all right. Um, I just wanted to make sure everybody knew about the uh, five arrests in, in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania at the Capitol building. Um, they were protesting uh, Daryl Metcalf, I guess, I guess he's the head of a committee. I'm not sure what committee, mm-hmm. but uh, there's a bill ready for a vote, an anti-corruption bill. 
guess there's unlimited lobbyist gifts in mm-hmm. that state and in a few other states. And there's a bill ready to be voted on, and he, the Daryl Metcalf is blocking it. And the bill would do what? Mm-hmm. The bill would make the situation better or worse? It would ban a lobbyist gift. Uh, lobbyist oh, gift so there's, there's legislation to ban lobbyist gifts to lawmakers, and the lawmakers just had five protesters arrested. Is that the deal? Yes, they they left a plungers on the on the Capitol steps because there's one one representative is blocking the blocking the plungers bill from t- get, getting as in as in unclog your toilet plungers. <laughs> yes. So is that a reference to sw- to the swamp? Is that uh, or you know? Yeah, because he's blocking the bill. Oh block! Oh yeah, it's a blockage. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So there's a, a Republican legislator in what state was this? Delaware, did you say? Or Pennsylvania? It's Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania. Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. And, oh yeah, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And so uh, there's a, a Republican. The name of the group is Represent Us. And oh yeah. The, the website is represent.us. Right. Yeah. You should look them up. It's a good group. So the, there's a piece of legislation to ban gifts from lobbyists to legislators that the re, that a Republican in the Pennsylvania State uh, House or Senate is blocking. And protesters showed up in support of that and, and they just got busted. That's, that's incredible. Grace, uh, excuse me, Tracy, thank you for sharing that information with me. I, you know, we've got some of the best informed viewers, listeners, whatever, in the world on this program. It's such an honor and a, and a pleasure just to share three hours every day with you. We will be back in just a, just a few minutes, coming up on 15 minutes before the hour. When was the last time you looked forward to sitting at your desk all day? Since getting my new X chair, not only am I enjoying the time spent in my desk much more than ever, but I can't believe how much more productive I'm being. My X chair is unbelievably stylish, and thanks to all the ways that you can personalize it, it literally molds itself to my body. Trust me, this is not your grandfather's office chair. And because I don't need to keep having to take breaks or to stretch my back, I'm getting more done in a day than ever before. If you spend a lot of time in your office chair every day, then you need to try the X chair. In fact, here's a terrific deal just for my listeners. The makers of X chair want you to feel the X chair difference for yourself. So if you go to xchairtom.com, that's the letter X chair, T-H-O-M.com, not only will they knock $100 off the price, but they'll even throw in a free footrest if you use the promo code Tom. Just go to xchairtom.com now. I love my X chair, and you will too. So check out xchairtom. That's xchairtom.com. Check out xchairtom.com, and be sure to use THOM in, as the promo code for your $100 discount. And welcome back, Dave in Langhorne, Pennsylvania. Hey, Dave, what's on your mind today? Oh, hey, Tom, how are you? Hold Good. on a second. I'll just take off speaker here. Uh, yeah, listen, not to be too grim about things here, but, uh, you know, I'm beginning to believe we've got a, a more than 50% chance of this country just going south on us here. I don't see any effort on the part of the Republicans to uphold the Democratic traditions that have got us this far. And I'm just concerned about what do we do? How do we respond? How do we know when things have slipped beyond our ability to really make this country what we want. Yeah. And I was hoping that maybe you could organize some sort of discussion about, you know, okay, what should we do? How do we plan for 
the the potential outcome, negative outcome to all this. There are some very troubling signs that our country is sliding in the direction of fascism. I mean, that's just, uh, if you define fascism as the merger of corporate and state interests, and you've got literally the entire Republican Party denying climate change exists, something that could kill all of us, uh, just in order exactly. to, be, to be able to continue taking large amounts of money from fossil fuel donors, um, then clearly you have a problem, and clearly that problem could be defined as a fascistic takeover of our government. And, right. and then on top of that, you've got you know, the new surveillance state brought to you by 9-11 and George W. Bush's hysterical response to it. Uh, you, you know, and, and, and then on top of that, we have the impending corporate takeover of the Internet, where you know, the, the big ISPs want to take the Internet over from, from uh, basically you know, an open Internet and lock it down and make it a closed Internet like China has, and only for exactly. commercial purposes rather than political purposes. But frankly, we shouldn't kid ourselves. These corporations are highly political, too. That's how they get their monopolies. That's how they get their deregulation. That's how they block competition, et cetera. So um, I think that there's a possibility, Dave, that the resistance fails, and I think we're already don't seeing. Don't forget about voter suppression yeah. uh, and gerrymandering, yep. which are are tools that just solidify the cement. In Absolutely, the the Republican majority. So how I wrote an entire I mean, book about point, this, Dave. I, I wrote a book about this. It's called The Crash of 2016, and the basic premise of the book is that every 80 years we have a great crash followed by a world war. And that those are essentially the only moments when our nation has historically reset itself. That you had the Great Depression of 1929 followed by World War II. We completely reinvented America as a result of that. You had the Great Depression of 1857 followed by the Civil War. We completely reinvented ourselves after the Civil War. You had the Great Depression of 1770 and 1769, a great crash followed by the American Revolution, you know, the Declaration of Independence in 1773, 1776, the American Revolution, um, and, and we rebooted ourselves again. And the reason right. it seems those 80 years is that that's about how long it takes for everybody who remembers how badly we screwed it up 80 years ago to die off and not be around to warn us about the stupid things we're doing, like blowing up Glass-Steagall. And so, you know, the premise of the book is that we should all be getting ready for the next crash and war because it's, it's an opportunity. And Franklin Roosevelt saw this correctly. He saw that the, the, the great crash of 29 and, the, and, the, and, the, and World War II could flip America fascist, could flip America communist, or maybe we could pull right straight down the middle and make us more, uh, quote, democratic socialist, end quote, you know, with Medicare and social, well, social security and unemployment insurance and end of child labor and all those things. So keep an eye on the, the economy, Dave. Welcome back. Tom Hartman here with you. Steve in the, uh, the home of the Northern Lights, North Troy, Vermont. Hey, Steve, what's up? Hey, Tom, greetings from the home of the Northern Lights. You know, uh, a while ago you, you asked the question why nobody from Wall Street went to jail. The uh, Congress actually issued a report on that in July of 2016. It's called uh, Too Big to Jail. It's about 260 pages or so, I believe. Really? Yeah. I totally yeah. missed that. The summer of last well, year? It's on, it's on the Internet. Anybody can dig it up. Huh. Um, but, you know, I, I'm wondering, I watched that movie Snowden, the Oliver Stone movie. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, it was just incredible. And it was when Obama had broke all his campaign promises that Snowden finally snapped and, and did what he did. And uh, like I told your caller, you know, I mean, where was everybody? Uh, you know, the I mean, except for Code Pink and a few others, uh, you know, all, all the drone strikes on civilians and the, the security state. And, and then uh, a little over a year and a half ago, Obama... You know, he, he dedicated a, a trillion dollars for uh, nuclear weapons upgrades that no sane person would ever use, you know? Yeah, yes and no, Steve. That uh, A lot of our nuclear weapons were getting old enough that they were getting unstable. And, Dismantle them. Pardon? Dismantle them. Yeah, I, I, you know, I agree with you on that, but, you know, they, they, they're, that, that ain't happening in the current political atmosphere. Um, and, and yeah, we can, we can sit around and come up with a long list of things President Obama didn't do right. I can come up with a long list of things he did do right. I'm really not interested in relitigating the Obama presidency. I'd like, to, I'd like to move forward. We've got a serious problem with a crazy man in the White House. And, and, I, and I say that uh, very intentionally. And, and uh, surrounded by a bunch of syncopants for, for petrodollar, for fossil fuel billionaires. And it's a serious threat to American democracy. Brian in Granite Falls, Washington. Hey, Brian, what's on your mind today? Hey, Tom, how you doing? I love your show, man. I, Thank you. It's been refreshing to hear your voice on a lot of these issues. So I have two questions. And hold on. Um, first, uh, if, if you've heard about the, the Justice Democrat and Bernie Crack candidate in Washington's 9th District and her being shut out of the Democratic State Party ban. No, I don't know anything about that. Um, She's she's having some issues with it. What's her name? She's having to go through a whole endorsement process, whereas the incumbent Adam Smith is completely able to have all all the access to all of the voting. Yeah, but he's the incumbent. He already jumped through all the hoops. I mean, what's her name? Sarah Smith. Sarah Smith. Okay, I'll have to I'll have to educate myself about that, Brian. But I'm yeah, sorry, and, I don't. And also, I'm part of the Washington Bernie Crack Coalition, mm-hmm. and we're looking to start some sort of a new local independent media channel to get some outreach from the community on the candidates that we're trying to get into office. Right. And I'm looking to see what kind of sort of advice you would give for the progressives and groups that are trying to kind of pursue what you do in a way. Yeah, I'd say if you want to build an independent media channel, probably uh, YouTube or Vimeo. Uh, You know, there's a couple of video venues. YouTube is the biggest. It's owned by Google. Um, you know, but you can build a, a channel on YouTube. We just passed 10,000 videos on our YouTube channel yesterday. And wow, congratulations. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, and real quick, I want to give a shout out to whole Washington and the, the work that they're doing to try and institute single payer in Washington state. Yeah. And uh, if you want to take a look at them, they can be found at uh, www.wholewashington.org. Is that W-H-O-L-E? Yes. Okay, great. Wholewashington.org. Brian, thanks for the heads up. And, and uh, you know, I'll have, to, I'll have to take a look at uh, Washington's ninth. Lisa in Seattle. Hey, Lisa, what's up? Oh, hey, Tom. Uh, good to be speaking with you. I just wanted to share with you, I started a campaign called Close Your Wallet Campaign. And I've committed to calling two businesses um, a day, their headquarters. And I post those numbers on my Facebook page, basically letting them know that due to the amazing uh, – tax cut that they received and the tax hike that I received, I was not going to be spending any of my money or patronizing their business this holiday season. <laughs> I'm hmm. encouraging other people to join on, and I call it Close Your Wallet Campaign. That's, that's a uh, fascinating idea. Um, maybe a re-gifting campaign to go along with it, because people like to give gifts. 
Um, well, sure. Recycle your sure. gifts, right? Look around your house. Yeah. We all have stuff sitting around the house that's kind of cool stuff, but we really don't yeah. use it, don't need it, don't want it. And somebody we yeah. care and love, you know, love, love and care about might find it very, right. you know. Yeah, and I, can I close with one statement I think we could all hear really well right now? Sure. To, to be totally radical is to make hope possible, not despair convincing. And I remind myself of that every day. That's a great slogan or a great quote. Who is it from? You know, I feel bad. I, I should go find out because I am kind of stealing. Mm. Um, yeah. Well, I might be able to do it. That's quite all right. Don't feel bad about it. At least it's a great slogan, yeah. wherever it I came just, from. I think it's really easy to find that negative because we have to stay alert and we have to stay on top of it. Yes. But we don't realize the sacrifice we're making and we're losing hope uh, in that process. So every day I remind myself that to be really radical is to create a space for hope. Amen. Amen. To be truly radical is to create a space for hope. I love it. Lisa, thank you so much. Ray in Portland, Oregon, listening to X-Ray FM. Ray, we have one minute left in the show. You got a quick one? Did you say Ray or Ron? I said, oh, Ron, I'm sorry. Hey, Ron. That's okay. Uh, Tom, I have a question about uh, the unemployment rate in the economy and was wondering if any of the geniuses in the White House consider that we're losing 2.4 to 3 million uh, workers per year, all the gray hairs that are getting out of the market. Right. And that's, and that's driving down the unemployment rate because the workforce participation rate is declining. Exactly. Yeah. And the biggest problem we're having here in the Portland area, and I deal with a lot of local companies, mm -hmm. they cannot find any replacements. Ah, for people who have been in the workplace for 40 years and have a lot of experience? Exactly. Yeah. I'm, I'll tell you, I'm, I'm in Portland now, too. And, uh, you know, we just hired uh, one person here who, from Portland who's just spectacular. I mean, there's some really ta talented young people in this town. Um, you know, we're so glad to have Arthur with us. Uh, and, and, of course, Nate and Sean and everybody else. But, uh, you know, Arthur, our, our local fellow who just joined us. So, I, you know, yeah, but, uh, you know, I'm not so concerned about the next generation, Ron, as I am. But, I, but I, you're, you're absolutely right. Our unemployment numbers are being skewed by baby boomers aging out of the population. Ron, thanks a lot for the call. Thank you all for being with us today. It's been a, and this week, it's been a fascinating week. <laughs> My apologies again for our technical problems yesterday and the day before. We've got that all figured out now. Everything should be smooth, knock wood. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. It requires all of us. That includes you. Get out there, get active, tag. You're it. We'll see you Monday. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. Thank you.